I, I'm working my way up. I expect to get a call from Leonard Bernstein. Did you did you know that there was a uh, about 19? Oh gee, it was about 1945 or 46. Somebody wrote a concerto for Kazoo. No, really, I'm not being funny. It was written and it was performed. Of course, uh, there aren't many professional, really good kazooists around. Uh, it was uh, it was written, and I don't recall who wrote it, and I do not know who even performed it. But it was performed in a very serious concert here in New York. Not only that, I'll tell you uh, another one that perhaps might surprise you: that there is a concerto for orchestra and bones. Yes, and it is on recording, and it was done at Carnegie Hall uh, a few years back. And this great Bones player got up there. You know, all good Bones men have giant Adam's apples. Uh, there's something about about playing the Bones that develops a giant Adam's apple, and, and in addition to that, makes guys tall and skinny. There are very few short, fat Bones men. I don't know why. I, all of my life, I have watched... Of course, this is a Midwestern thing. Very few... Uh, Easterners know anything about the true folk instruments of the great underbelly of America. That's uh, true uh, that, that here in New York, uh, I have not seen many Jews harp players, for example. And yet, uh, when I was a kid, the, they, they sold these everywhere. And, and everybody played them. Every kid, I, and, and it's, it's still the standard instrument out there. The Jews are... Uh, oh, yeah. Well, well, let me tell you, I got two front teeth that are absolutely flat from from playing Red Sails in the Sunset on a C melody Jews harp all through my formative age. Yeah. Great instrument. Fantastic sound. And uh, and an evening, a typical evening at the uh, at the Kiwanis Club when they had the entertainment, there would be a guy that would show up with a black coat that would play a saw. He would play a Sears Roebuck cross-cut saw. Have you ever seen a guy play a saw? It sounds like a, a very bad theremin. Of course, there are no good theremins. So, uh, do you know what a theremin is? Why do I have to explain this? Do you know what it is, Jim? A theremin is an instrument that was invented by a guy named Theremin, uh, a Frenchman. And uh, the French, you know, have been inflicting terrible instruments on us for years. Uh, you probably are aware that the saxophone was invented by a Frenchman. Awful instrument. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. They have. They've been inflicting awful sounds on people for years. And uh, the guy, this theremin, uh, in, the, in, the, in the early days of electronics, when people were really fascinated with electronics, they figured electronics could do everything, he invented an instrument called the theremin. And all it is is an audio oscillator. And it's an audio oscillator that operates by hand capacity. That is, you can change the frequency of it by hand capacity. Which means that it has two rods. What it looks like, really, is, is kind of a small cheese box set up on a tripod. And from each side of the, of the box comes a wand. A little metal... It looks like a rabbit ear's antenna, really, literally, is what it looks like. And this thing, you plug it in. It's got loudspeakers out in the front. And I, I don't know which hand now, because at one point, uh, several years ago, uh, working on another radio station, I went through a long period of playing the theremin on the air. I played the theremin on the air. And, and I did. Uh, somebody sent me a theremin. I talked about it, 
And they says, well, this is such a valuable instrument. Of course, it was a lousy instrument, a, a terrible thing. It was an awful monstrosity. And, and it had sequins on the front of it. It was, it was, it was a concert theremin, you see. <laughs> and, and, and I had been talking about this. I said, I'd love to get my, whole, my, my, my hands on a theremin. You see, because I had, in my own kid way, experimenting with electronics at home, developed my own theremin. I had a terrible amplifier that had like 90% feedback. I'd get feedback from everywhere. And so I got, so I, like a good actor, I used the deficiencies of my amplifier as a plus. A good actor will use his problems, you see, and they'll become a positive part of his act. Like many a nervous person becomes a talented person because they just are nervous on stage. You see, they use it as their bit. So I take this amplifier at home. I remember I, remember I had terrible feedback. You see, I was always trying to get the feedback out. I was shielding everything. I, I tried shielding my mother for a while with, <laughs> with Reynolds grounding her bathrobe and that kind of stuff. And I was getting nothing but feedback and, and terrible grid hum. And, and, and I, I got so that I liked it. You know, I go, I get this feedback. So I would, I would move back and forth in front of my amplifier and I would get a different sound as I moved back. And I got so I could play things like, uh, oh, the dipsy doodle. I got so that I could play. <laughs> I'd move back and forth and my mother would scream her boy all over. Will you stop with that stuff? You, you, it, and I hear, oh, you know, it's, you get the same feeling as if somebody is scraping his, his fingernails up and down a blackboard, you know, the wrong way. Well, that's the way the theremin affects you. It's a terrible sounding instrument. And it is an audio oscillator. Now, for those of you who don't know what an audio oscillator, it's just an oscillator that makes a ooh. Well, I'll tell you, for those of you who wonder what it is, do you know that from time to time uh, on WOR or any other radio station, for that matter, when they say at the sound of the tone, it'll be 12 noon, there's a long pregnant pause, and then it goes boop. That is an audio oscillator. Now, if the thing, if, if, if say, uh, Phil Tonkin were to say at 12, at the sound of the tone, it'll be 12 noon. Stay tuned for uh, John Scott and the news. And then it would go boop, 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 boop. And then <laughs> that is a theremin. It's, it's an audio oscillator that is now being varied. Well, well, a theremin operates in a very interesting way because, uh, on the one hand, and I think it's your, I can't remember now, I believe it's your left hand that controls the volume. As you get closer to this thing, it gets louder, and as you get further away, it gets softer. And on your right, your, your, your right hand controls the pitch. You don't touch a thing, you see, playing a theremin. It is an instrument that operates completely without human hands touching it. And, Dad, it sounds like it. And as you move your right hand back and forth, it goes... You see, you just pull it back. And then this thing, on the, on, the, on the left hand, you control the volume. You see, it goes... So when you're playing the theremin, you're standing up there and you look, you know, your arms are waving back and forth and you, you move. And, and, and you've got to have an absolutely faultless ear. You have to have a faultless ear. You know, a lot of guys can have a rotten ear as far as playing uh, music is concerned and still be a good musician. They can't hear a tone for nothing. Are you aware of that? Merely because they know if you press the first and the third valve down, you get a C note. Boop! You know, they don't even hear it. They just, you know, they see one, three, one, three. They, they, yeah. oh yeah, sure. I, I, I can remember, I can remember sitting in the bass section from time to time. Once in a while, a bass player would come into the bass section who had an absolute lead ear.
And, and uh, he would blow a terrible note. And you'd say, what are you doing over there, Charlie? And he'd say, well, it's I'm playing a C. He'd say, what do you mean playing a C? He says, the first third. What would happen, of course, is he's got a bad instrument, and it's, it, uh, the, 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 the valves are not working right. He couldn't hear it. He just couldn't hear it at all. He just knows he's blowing the right valve notes. Well, the theremin doesn't have that, you know. You can't say three-quarters of an inch away is a B-flat. It just doesn't work like that. So you've got to have a giant, a, a perfect pitch to play the theremin. Otherwise, the theremin drives you out of your skull. If you think that the, that the kazoo bothers you, oh, boy. Because a theremin has about a 50-watt amplifier. And, you know, a theremin player can be heard all the way up in the Bronx if he's, if he's somewhere in Staten Island. You know, he can really, oh, it shatters windows. Well, I, there is only one. I'll give you, I'll award you the brass figligi with bronze oak leaf palm. If you can tell me the name, since we're bringing up this lousy instrument, I don't know why I'm talking about it, but if you can give me the name of the orchestra leader who used to have an orchestra, he's still well-known, used to have an orchestra. He no longer travels with an orchestra now. He's gone up the scale. But he had an orchestra. He went around the country. Pretty good band, as a matter of fact, but it had one gigantic fatal flaw. He was under the illusion he could play the theremin. And... Uh, and, and about every third number, he used to get out in front of the band with his white coat, you know, with a, with a, with a big black tie that band guys wear, and his, his wavy hair, and they'd bring out his white theremin with the sparkly things all over it, and it had his name on the front of it, and he would start playing a theremin, and you never saw more people, believe me. Their hair would curl, you know, and their eyeballs would glaze, and he'd stand up there with his grin and his big white teeth, and he thinks it's fantastic, you know, and the band is playing. I'll tell you, he made out. Alvino Ray sound good. Now, uh, <laughs> uh, can you do you know who it was? Why do I remember this trivia? Why? Why? Well, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, maybe the reason I remember this trivia is one uh, horrendous night. Uh, back in the days when I was working my apprenticeship in this idiotic business, I was sent out on a remote. You know, I haven't gone on a real remote in a, in a long time. I mean, the real kind of remote, you know, where the band goes, ta, 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 ta. They play their theme, and you say, and now, from the bend of the Ohio River and Moonlight Gardens, we bring you the music of Johnny Long and his orchestra. The daddy of Sigma Nu. Yes, it's Johnny Long coming to you from Moonlight Gardens. And now, <laughs> oh boy. Well, anyway, one night I am sent out to do this remote. And this guy's band is there. It's the band, you know. And I, I get out in front of him uh, talking to You know, I'm out in front of the, uh, the, on the stand, and all the dancers are down there. The band is playing, and I'm discussing the remote with the band leader. And we're talking about this thing. And uh, yeah, yeah, here, we're running down the music sheet to make sure it's all okay, and I'm going to introduce the right stuff. And so, I, so we get into the show. Uh, the, the sh everything was 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 fine. Everything was copacetic. We get into the show. The show starts to go along. My engineer is sitting over there in the corner. He's got cans on. There's fourteen thousand people. We're under the garden. You know, the moonlight is coming down. The river is out there. We're feeding it coast to coast. By the way, Jim, this is the kind of thing you know that makes you really. <laughs> give up this racket. So we're feeding it coast to coast, and I'm getting the I'm getting the cues from the network, and finally it comes boing, 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 comes on, and the guy says, "This is NBC, the national broadcasting system." Boom, boom, boom. 
long pregnant pause, and then I give them the cue. On comes the band, and the engineer is sitting there. We've got the levels. Everything is fine. And I step out, and I give them a... All all band leaders in those days had what they called a trick opening. Uh, They all had a title. Yeah, oh yeah, the swing and sway music of Sammy Kay. Oh, they all had a little thing like the the tick-tock rhythms of Tommy Tucker. Uh, or they had things like uh, the rippling rhythms of Shep Fields and his orchestra. Oh, yeah, yeah. I wonder how many people know the debt that Lawrence Welk owes to Shep Fields. Do you remember when, when, when Lawrence Welk was considered a crass imitator of Shep Fields with the rippling rhythms? Speaking of crass imitators, this is WOR AM and FM New York. Well, of course, speaking of crassness, uh, imitators, I mean, you know. I mean, the crass, after all. The crass grows deepest where the green is the richest. Uh, speaking of uh, crassness, do you have a little whoopee thing in there first, Jim? A little thing in the little cartridge there? Hit it. Yeah, yes, go ahead. Just hit it while they're still alive there. Sir, the airline just called. There it Who is the airman? Your jet leaves at 8.45 tonight. He could be you, a man with a thirst for a manly or brute. There's a little bit of the ale man in all of us, and nothing brings it out like a Ballantine ale. Bolder, keener, more to the point. Ballantine ale, the ale man's ale. Who is the ale man? He could be you, a man with a thirst for a manlier fruit. Three out of four men, every time choose the bolder, keener tasting ale. Valentine. All righty, ale men. Uh, returning to reality, <laughs> who is the Yoo-Hoo man? Who can he be? He's the one with the tennis shoes and the glazed look. Who is the... <laughs> I'm sorry. But uh, you want to hear the rest of the story of the terrible remote? Oh, boy, I'll never forget it. Uh, because it was, one of those, it was one of those moments, you know, when everything completely gets out of hand. Have you ever had a, a moment in your life when, when everything... You know, it's, I suspect that... When you have premonitions of disaster, those are your safe moments. I really believe this in life, that I have, that, and I think that the, that the moment you think that things are going well, this is the time you better watch out. I have seen, oh, I've seen it countless times here, Jim, you have too. I, I, more than one guy comes in with a big grin and says, I'm going on vacation next Monday. You never see him again. <laughs> Well, they got a lot of little tricks in radio. Like on Tuesday afternoon, the guy is in Nome somewhere on vacation fishing for salmon, and he gets a telegram delivered to him by Birch Bark Canoe. It says, we've decided to extend your vacation. You know? yeah, we're sending all the stuff out of your desk in a burlap bag. It'll arrive at home. <laughs> Don't come back. Uh, this, Oh, yeah, the old one. This is just a common thing. But nevertheless, I believe... That the, this is the truth. I think that when you when when things are going great comparatively, this is the time you better be careful. Uh, it has been my experience. For example, uh, just a few years back, like five thousand years ago, just about the time when things were coming out of the depression, and everybody was saying things are looking great. Oh, that was when Hitler moved into Poland. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And then it all started to happen. I mean, the, the, the depression was greasy kid stuff compared to what happened at Anzio. Well, this, this, this is, I, I believe, is, is always. Now, have you noticed our country is now on the march? I mean, the, the business is going. Everything is booming. It's fantastic. Well, it was like that in 1929. Uh, oh, yeah, the big butter and egg men were spending years' ends. They weren't spending weekends at Atlantic City with chorus cuties. And of course, one day, the whistle was blown and the air was filled with more guys flying out of windows. You had to wear a tin hat from the, some of the reports I hear about that time. Oh, yeah, you had to wear a tin hat and armor plate because of the, because of the guys flying. Oh, yes, that's the truth. They had some buildings in Manhattan in early 1930 built along about the second floor, big nets that hung out over this just to catch guys. You know? Oh, that's true. It literally is true. So <laughs> it's terrible. But nevertheless, there I am, you see. I'm, I've got my, I've got my uh, remote going. And, and you get this feeling of everything's under control. You know, I've got, my, I've got my, my music sheet all under control. I've got my white coat looks great. Oh, yeah, it's fine. You know, everything looks great. My, my teeth are all polished. My eyes are gleaming. And all the dancers are moving around down there. And I'm really, really on top of it. And the band is playing. They're sounding, you know, they're sounding good enough for, you know, how dance bands are. They're going along. And they have this fantastic chick who, is go who sings the vocals. And she's sitting over there on the left in her white evening gown and giving me the eyeball. And I'm giving her, everything is working. You know, it's looking great. So I get up there and I get the thing on. And the, the, uh, the band leader, you see, there was, there was a certain type of band leader. Two, two kinds of band leaders, really. One kind of band leader was totally illiterate and completely unable to say anything. Well, this guy always insisted on talking on the microphone, introducing his own numbers. Now, there was the, <laughs> there was the other kind of band leader who knew better. And, and uh, in general, that band leader is out of the business today. It's the loudmouth klutz who always got ahead. Yeah, he, yeah. Well, now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're going to play our hit record that all of you have been writing in and asking for, and it's little Joni Joni who are going to sing the beautiful vocals on this lovely melody. You remember this guy. He's still around. Uh, he's still around, and usually even bigger than then, this is strangely enough. And so this guy was, in a way, one of those guys. He, he Not quite, but just there was enough of it in him, you know, that you could just tell that he, he loved to get in front of the microphone, forget the band, and he wanted to talk about who he was and how good the band was. Don't, don't bother with letting him play. He loved this. You see. So I said to him before, I says, now look, uh, I said, uh, uh, it's, it's written down here that you want to introduce a couple of the numbers. I said, okay. I said, but remember, you know, this is timed out. And, uh, and, and we can't have more than maybe 15 or 20 seconds for the intro there because then they're going to have a lot of trouble down because they're following the cues down at the network and the whole jazz. He says, okay, 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 man. I know I've been doing these things for years. You know, this kind of thing. That brush. Of course, here you are. You're a professional. He, I've been doing, he, all he does is play the bazooka phone, you know. Somehow he thinks he's been doing radio for years. Isn't this the truth, Jim? It's so fast. The singers, they'll tell you they've been doing radio for years. All they get up is, red says in the sunset. They know not a thing about the business. But they all think they do. They all believe they do. How many actors believe they know radio? Have you ever heard an actor try to do a radio show? Oh, oh boy. 
and you can't tell them a thing, not a thing they know nothing. And yet, if a radio man tries to go over and do a Broadway show, they say, look, man, you don't know nothing about this business. Get down there. Mr. Abbott will tell you where to stand, where to walk. Now, look, you got them two feet down there. You walk around on the stage with the feet. You, you, they, they assume, you see, that actors and musicians assume they know everything about every other business. I've, 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 I, this is the truth. Uh, it's, it's, I've just, this is, a, this is, I know, an unqualified, and I'm, I'm saying a flat opinion, but I've worked with enough of them to know this. Very few actors will admit that they don't know you know what from third base about this microphone that's in front of me. They all think they do. They really do. And they sound ridiculous when they get on. But of course, the beautiful thing about it is either does the public know. So they swim together in their ignorance. So it's all right. But nevertheless, here I am with this guy. He says, fine. He says, it's going to work out okay. He says, ah, I said, I've been, all right, kid, I've been in this business for years. You know, that kind of brushed me aside. He's, <laughs> and, uh, by the way, he's a cool, snotty 19. Uh, he's been in it for years. Been in the high school band, you know, for years. He knows all about it. And he's got a break because his old man owns an agency. You know, the whole bit. Yeah, this, I'll tell you the truth. So we, we get out there. The band is playing. And uh, everything is going fine. And then we get down to the point, of course, I'm standing up there. I said, and now, from the beautiful Moonlight Gardens and the Bend of the Ohio River, sent to you by Coney Island, it's Charlie Brown and his orchestra. And uh, everything is fine. I introduced the first couple of numbers. We are now about ten minutes into the show, which is a half-hour show, coast-to-coast, network. And then our hero now is going to have his big moment. And they finish playing something like... Uh, Oh, I don't know. They played a medley of romantic ballads. It's a medley of romantic ballads, all based on the love theme. And he finishes that, and he gets up now in front of the microphone. And he says, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we've been getting all kinds of requests for, uh, especially the band has been known for lately, and I certainly am playing... What's he talking? You know, what is this? I figure, you know, this is his way of leading into the next tune. He says, and uh, and we were going to play tonight Red Sails in the Sunset. Instead, uh, says, instead, what is this? I figure, well, all right, they're going to play another tune. Okay, we can handle that. He says, instead, I'll bring... With that, I see a guy wheeling this thing out from the side of the stage. He's bringing a thing out. You know, the, you know, one of the flunkies with the, the band boys is bringing this thing. It's got sequins all over it. It's a little white box. It's got the two rabbit ears sticking out. And it's got a long cord. He's bringing it out. Well, he's going to play the electric guitar or something. And with that, he says, and now we're going to play. I'm going to, uh, going to give a theremin solo with the band on the Swallows Return to Capistrano. And the band, when the swallows return to Capistrano. And my engineer is sitting over there looking, and he's got the gain, everything's fine. The band plays about, a, about, a, about an eight-bar intro when this guy starts to unload with this monstrosity. My God, you never heard anything like it. This thing is about 9 dBs over the sound of a jackhammer working at full, flat, full blast. And my engineer's cans going right off his head, circle around the room, <laughs> crash against the wall. And every meter is up against every, every pin. You know, the meters are going. And he's, my engineer has got that terrified look. He can't control the gain. I'll tell you, this thing has hit the jackpot from coast to coast. And out and immediately, immediately, NBC in, in New York. What the hell? Oh, hey, 
Hey, what is this? The seven is fantastic. What's the feedback on the line? And it's going. <laughs> well, I just want to tell you that we must have busted the gimmick on at least 25 repeater amplifiers from coast to coast. I, I, would, I would say that at least 14 million speaker voice coils and, and cones were torn to shreds. <laughs> And it was in a complete fiasco. And what made it worse, I couldn't stop him. You can't get near a theremin without hitting the jackpot. I couldn't walk out there because I see immediately this is an amp. It's an audio oscillator he's got out there, which if you get near it, goes even louder. <laughs> so I'm standing, I'm waving. He is, in a, and let me tell you one thing about theremin players. They are maniacal. They are as maniacal as saw players. There's a whole group of illegitimate instruments that produce a certain fanaticism in their performers because the instrument is constantly subjected to laughing. People laugh at it and they yell. So eventually it's like one of these little esoteric religious sects. Nothing is more fanatical than a small religion. <laughs> I'll tell you nothing. <laughs> Oh, they get it. Say, uh, yeah, oh yeah. The big religions, you know, it's like Mickey Mantle. Mickey Mantle is never nervous. He never chooses nails on that bench there at Yankee State. Not at all. It's the utility infielders that get the fanatical look in the eye and that try to stretch singles and the triples and all that stuff. Well, well, here is this fanatical, this theremin player up there, and he's got the look of the true zealot in his eye. And he, he, see, this is part also, incidentally, of that kind of fanaticism, is the belief that they're convincing everybody else around them. Have you ever looked at a fanatical preacher who who thinks he's he's scoring? You know, who thinks he's scoring? And I say to you, he's up there. You see, and everybody's just sitting there looking with 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 uh, what's the word? Dismay. <laughs> They're looking with horror or vague embarrassment. Well, here is this crowd of dancers. About two thousand people are trying to dance, and this guy is putting out a signal that was wilting the pedals on those fifteen dollar orchids. In every, <laughs> all over, and guys, you know, and guys are breaking out in sweat out there, you know, their glasses are shattering and everything, they're all trying to dance, and it's going, and he had, talk about an ear. Like I say, if the theremin is being played by a man with perfect pitch, it is acceptable, but barely. If it is being played by a man with average pitch, let me tell you, your teeth not only stand on edge, they start to fly in formation around the room. If it's being played by a guy with bad, with a bad ear, your bones turn to water. Squirt out your ears and begin to float around on the floor. Well, this is what was happening. This guy has a couple of lead ears. Let me tell you, it was incredible. The band is playing Red Sails in the Sunset. They're all trying to keep up with him. You see, the band knows it. <laughs> almost every musician has nothing but... Are you aware that almost every musician in a band has nothing but disdain for the leader? Because the leader is usually a guy who can't blow his own nose. And, and he's just a promoter. He's got himself up there somehow by dint of absolute chutzpah fighting. You know, he's, 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 he's literally a promoter. And so you, the band, the musicians are all sitting back there, and they're all sitting there with their red coats. You see, I look back at the band, and, the, and they're, they're all playing. And you could, you'd see these guys trying to slide around to stay in tune with this guy. Then they're trying, they can hear him, you see, but he can't hear them. That's the secret. And he had absolutely no beat at all. 
It was like some giant free-form monster that was coming out of the water. And it was yelling at us. And he stood up there with his white coat. You know, the band leader always wears a contrasting coat. He stood up there with his white coat and all those red-coated musicians there. You can see the kind of embarrassment. They're all looking down over their horns and they're blowing things, trying to pretend that nobody is seeing them. They're sitting sort of scrunched down in their chairs. Well, he finally finishes this thing. It went on for about 30 courses. And the, 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 the crowd, the, the, the crowd that was in the, in the dance floor there, because, I, I guess, a combination of relief and amazement, they had never seen anything or heard anything like this before, applauded the idiots. Don't ever applaud a zealot. The minute you applaud a zealot, forget it. I'm telling you. He, he interprets it as a victory. You see, he interprets it as a roar of approval from the mob. Well, of course, they all applaud. Hey, hey, you know how they, they, hey, hey. everybody does that when they're on network radio. They know, hey, hey. By the way, I'd like to point out, too, that this is what makes at least 75% of those late night television shows work. The crowd applauds everything. They laugh at everything because they're on. That's all. That's all. Hey, 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 hey. Have you heard those disinvolved, completely uninvolved cheers from the audience of the Tonight Show? You know, they just, they're not involved. Hey, 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 hey. And then they sit there. Well, it's, it's, this, it's a syndrome. The public is a very interesting thing. When they're sitting out watching their set, they wouldn't dream of doing this. And they're very critical. Oh, yeah. You get, you get atomic physicists. And put him in front of a television show with a, a bunch of klutz heads sitting out there in the audience. And he starts telling bad jokes. The very same bad jokes that he yells about when he watches television. Oh, yeah, it's, it's a fascinating thing. I've been on many a panel, many a, a television show. And I know that, uh, that an otherwise intelligent man, the minute he's put in front of a microphone or a television camera, turns into the, 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 the complete chowderhead, complete. Plays it for the laughs, tries, tries to be funny. They'll sit there and talk to Maggie McNellis, you know, and they'll laugh and they'll poke each other. And, and, and then after it's over, they'll say, wasn't that, how about it? wasn't that a good show? I'm talking to the head of a theological department. He says, how do you think the show went over here? I got some laughs. Got some laughs. Woo. Well, this is what was happening with this guy. He always does this. So he gets this applause. Hey, 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 hey. And then he says, oh, he, goes, he steps right up to the microphone. He says, thank you, thank you. And, uh, and now as an encore, I would like to play uh, Sleepy Lagoon. Sleepy Lagoon. Well, I don't know whether you remember Sleepy Lagoon, but this was, this was treacle and glop a yard wide and 16 feet deep. And he starts out, well, by the end of the second course, NBC is on the phone. We can't control it. Impossible. You know, Jim, when, when, when you get... Can't control it. For, for one thing, he had his loudspeakers cleverly placed so they were 36 inches away from the microphones, both aimed directly at them, you know? And they were, they were you know, they were unidirectional. So he can't get anything, nothing. He can't control it, uh, nothing. And so by the end of the second chorus, I get in the can, boop, boop, little thing like that. And I look over at the engineer, and the engineer gives me the, we're off the air, signal. <laughs> They have cut us off in New York. They have replaced us by canned organ music or a quick newscast. <laughs> well, let me tell you, and the guy's up there. He's still playing away. Well, so I am standing back now. It doesn't make any difference. I'm off the air. My job is over. You know, I'm just going to let this, this idiot go. So they went on and on and on and on. This, this guy, uh, I guess he figured he was getting a three-hour remote. 
you know, that kind of thing. He just went on. I'm standing over on the side. Finally, I get up and I said, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I said, we've been off the air now for about 25 minutes, but uh, you've been listening to the music of so-and-so going back. And he stands up in the corner with his mouth hanging open, big thing, and man, he thought I cut him off. He thought I cut him off. He said, ooh, you punk, you know. I've been in the business for years. I've been in the business for years. It was nobody but David Sarnoff himself, probably, that ran to his receiver somewhere. Just cut it off the air! <laughs> I don't know why I tell you this story. It's a terrible story. I shouldn't, shouldn't really. Do you want to hear more stories of terrible remotes? Do you? Do you want to hear about the night that I arrived out at out at the out at the big place where they were gonna they were gonna send out? You know that the funny thing was it was a famous band too, by the way, which is still famous. And uh, I arrived at the the point of origination where the remote was to come from about a half an hour earlier, and the band was out on its break when I got there, and I had my music sheet, and I had the whole business, and it was one of these remotes, you know, that comes on at midnight. It was on from midnight to 12.30. That's a dangerous remote, I can tell you. If you have a remote that comes on early, say like 10 o'clock, you're okay. Well, this was in Chicago. He's in a swinging town. And so it's, it's about 12.30. I'm about 11.30. I'm where's the band? You know, they're for crying out loud. My engineer is there. It's a coast-to-coast remote, the whole bit. And we're waiting. You see, I'm a cool 17 years old. I got my rented, my rented formula and the whole bit. And, and, and they start drifting in. And let me tell you. Well, <laughs> there are a lot of junky expressions I could use here, but this band flew in. This band, <laughs> they, were out in the, they were outside in the alley, and they were not drinking the drink that is for those who are sociable and think young. In fact, they weren't drinking anything. It wasn't drinking they were doing. This band came in, and the, you know they were sort of floating up in the air and, and hollering and making funny remarks and telling dirty stories. And, and they had their horns, you see, and they, they immediately started to look down. They, they sit up on the stand, and they start to yell to the chicks in the audience. You know, the band is higher than a kite. And I'm, I'm looking around desperately. Wait till the leader. Let me tell you, the leader came in, and, and he came in roughly the way the Graf Zeppelin would come in over Lakehurst. This guy... <laughs> He was floating. It was, it was fantastic. I could see immediately this glazed eye look, you know. He had the glazed look, and he comes in, and he comes up to me and says, hi. And, and he just sort of floats up to me, hi, hi. And, and, and right in front of the entire crowd, here we are. I'm up on the stand, and the, the audience is beginning to come down. You know, it's a big remote, the big band, the big, big show is coming out, and the radio show is coming out. And, of course, they'd seen the preparations, the engineers setting up, and they, the band leaders coming in. And they're all down around the stand. You know, they used to come down around the stand. With that, he says, hey, hi, boy, you want to turn on, man? Do you know? <laughs> and the audience is looking. I can just imagine, you know, I get this terrible feeling in the middle of the remote. We are busted. The entire band, the dance hall, the network, the whole crew. Well, I, I you know, I look around desperately. And I look over the engine. And the band is sitting there and they're starting to blow, you know, and they're, ah, you know, they're, they're really, they're really gone. And, and with that, they, they, they decided to, to run through a couple of quickies, you know, to get clean it. You should have heard the band. You know, there is an illusion among musicians that they play better when they're high. Oh, boy, is that an illusion. <laughs> I mean, about half of the guys were playing Semper Fidelis. About seven guys were playing How High the Moon. And about three guys were playing the Star Spangled Banner. And it was, it was incredible cacophony. You know, they're all floating around there. And, and they felt like they were really, you know, they were really making it great. And apparently this was their preparation for the show. 
You see, this is how they worked into the big show. This is going to be their big break. Well, I, 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 I go, I edge sideways over to my engineer. I says, for God's sake, I call, call, call it quick, quick. Get in touch with, call the station. Tell them, tell them we can't go on. Quick, quick. No, tell them what's going to happen. And so he gets on. I see on the And there's a big argument breaking out now, you see, because the network and, and, the, and the station had an arrangement and the station got dull for this. You know, they were making money. The engineers were, everybody's making money, you know, on this remote. And there's a big argument going on about And he calls me up and says, hey, he says, listen, this is the supervisor's blowing his gas. What do you mean you can't go on? He says, you're going to go on if you're going to play the harmonica. I said, well, what do you, what do you mean? Look at these guys. They're floating around and all going in formation and they're doing barrel rolls over the audience. And by now, the audience is catching on. You know, the audience really knows that the band is really gone. And they're standing down around there giggling and making snide remarks and laughing. They say, hey, watch the guy. Look at the guy with a tenor over there. Watch him. Hey, hey, tenor, hey. And he float off his seat and he'd blow his horn at him and yell. <laughs> what an insane night. You don't want to hear the rest of this story, do you? So uh, I could tell you I could tell you story after story about terrible band remotes that I've been at. Uh, this, this, by the way, this side of radio has hardly ever been cataloged. People have never written or, or told stories about the remote, uh, the, the going to some place and trying to get a show on. Did I ever tell you about the time that I, I, was, I, part, I was part of a remote that came from the center ring of a circus? And, and there were lions. I mean, the center ring, it was in, inside the lion's cage, literally. I mean, of course, we're always inside the lion's cage, but the, I could see the lions this time, you know. And they were real lions with real teeth. And, and I could not imagine why that nutty program director decided, because it was all a deal, you know. The station had a deal with the circus. They were going to promote this thing. They just took, you know, one of their ace remote guys down, guess who, and the ace remote guy was sent down, and they told me, you know, we're going to do a remote from the circus. And I got down to the circus there, which was a big deal in Toledo. We're going to do a remote. It's going to be a very special, wonderful, great remote. And I arrives at the place, and the engineer is sitting outside the cage, by the way, Jim. It'll make you feel good. He was outside. He had the wires going in. And there inside, in the middle of the cage, was my little hand mic. <laughs> And the guy says, you're going to do it from inside the cage. And I says, inside the cage? Well, I said, you know, immediately I says, well, it's all right. You know, I says, it's okay. I figured, you know how all, all people figure that everything is going to turn out all right? You always do. You figure, well, gee, if they're doing this, it must be okay. It must be official. And a guy came over to me wearing a white shirt and these white whipcord riding trousers, you know, with the big black high boots. And he had a whip and a chair. And he comes over to me and he says, listen, he says, who, who, who was the nut that thought this up? I said, what? He says, this is insane. He says, for God's sakes, do you know what you're doing? I says, what do you mean? What, 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 what do you mean? What, am I mean? what do you mean what I'm doing? He says, listen. He says, don't move. He says, you get in there and don't move and don't turn your back on him. <laughs> he says, don't turn your back on him. And he says, he says, if anything happens, he says, just stand there and let me take it. He says, don't, don't scream, don't run. He says, don't move, let me handle it, okay? He looks at me in the eye. I said, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and, and here I am, I'm, I'm, I'm making a cool $7 a week, and, and the next thing I know, there it is, there's 88 million people in there, and there's this nut, you know, the, 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 the ringmaster, ladies and gentlemen in the center ring, and now the first time ever anywhere, a broadcast will be made live as Big Charlie works with the D.
dangerous beasts of the jungle, the lions and the tigers, and even a man-eating polar bear, which has been imported at great risk to everyone, the most dangerous of all animals. And this guy looks at me and he says, yeah, he's right. He says, the one you got to watch is the white one. Watch out for that one. It ain't no teddy bear. And, and he says, ah, no, ladies and gentlemen. And the band goes, and boom, they open the door. In I go. Do you want to hear the rest of that story? Well, maybe you've wondered why you never see me. Well, there's only a head. I don't have anything else left. Oh, boy, when I talk about remotes and I'm standing. And, oh, oh. One thing happened, Jim. They see the animals weren't in the in the ring when I got in. They had a you know one of these little shoots that the animals come running in like nuts. See, and and they had been doing this act. You know these animals have been at this act. You know ever since they brought them from Africa or wherever it was. You see, they were used to this guy, Big Charlie or whatever his name was. And and Charlie is standing in the center of the ring. You see, and they've got all these these stands that the animals get up on. You know the chairs and the rings that they play with and all that. And I'm standing. I said, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I'm broadcasting from the center ring of the Big Charlie Brown Circus, which is down here in downtown. And with that, it goes clang, boom, and blah, 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 blah. these animals come running in. And you know what happens when the watch when you go to a circus the next time, when the animals come running in through that. That, that shoot, they come running in like mad. They've been poked with sticks, you see. And they come running in. They, they come in like that. And they run and they stop. They look the cage over and then they begin to make their moves, you see, which is always a traditional thing. They've been doing it for a long time. They go up on the thing, you know. And the guy's, hey, hey, oh, hey, hey, oh, pow, he's going, hey, 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 come on, Blackie, boom, pow, hey, get out of there, he's going like that, and they go, well, every one of those animals as he came running in did a double take, he'd come, he'd look, and then he'd go, and he'd back off a little bit, and we didn't anticipate one thing, what really got him was the cord, that microphone cord laying in there. It was like a snake or something. And you'd see this big tiger. Would come, he'd look at the cord and he'd back up and he'd go, he'd bat the cord. And my microphone, you know, what do I do? Give it to him, give it to him. And I'm ladies and gentlemen, we're here in the center ring, and this guy begins to sweat. I can see the back of his neck sweating. He's only a foot away from me. And he's, you know, I can see, the, he's really serious. He ain't kidding around. He's, all right, all right, come on. Boom. Boom, boom, ah, crack, boom, ah. Have you wondered why I'm the most nervous radio performer in the business? I am still in the center ring. We have lions and polar bears here on the 23rd floor that make Clyde Beatties look like little kid yogi bears. Little yogi bears, they're everywhere. This is WOR Radio, your station for news.